Last time uh, we talked about uh, the the uh, situation in Afghanistan in the late 70s. We finished with the yeah. assassination, the kidnap and assassination of the US ambassador Adolf Dubs, Adolf Hitler Dubs, uh, Adolf H. Dubs. People go, what's the it's H stand for? He goes, ah, nothing, <laughs> just... I don't have a middle name. I just thought I'd put it in there for shits and giggles. <laughs> just to see if anybody's paying attention. And it turns yeah. out you were. So. Oh, trust me. Yeah. We noticed the first name. You don't uh, hear that very often anymore. You had me, you had me at Adolf. <laughs> That's going to be the title of my next book. You had me at Adolf. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, and scene. I wonder if his son, if he named his son Adolf Jr. Yeah. And just call him AJ. I don't know. It would be be interesting. Yeah. Anyway. (sighs) Um, I wanted to ask. Mm. Yes. No, you go. Oh, you said at the end of the last episode that the Americans get actively involved as opposed to just uh, either giving Pakistan a... um, uh, a passive yes, or maybe giving them some money. I thought I'd read somewhere that some of the CIA agents or their representatives, whatever the proper term is, actually starts physically meeting with some of the Mujahideen uh, warriors or tribe leaders or whatever. I mean, they really do get into it because they're trying to gather information. They want, I think they want these, um, I'm going to call them freedom fighters to know that the Americans are the one backing them up. But I think there were face-to-face conversations, and this is going to go on for years. The CIA is balls deep into this now. Yes, even to get more and more balls deeper. <laughs> deep. <laughs> Where but while this is going on, obviously, yes. um, the situation in Afghanistan is uh, problematic, and it's not just... Yeah. The Mujahideen. There, there are mm-hmm. issues inside of the the Afghani government itself. In right. March 1979, significant portions of the Afghan military started mm-hmm. to revolt. Um, now, yes. you know there there are going to be members of the military. Like we we've seen this in recent times in Syria. We we, right. we see this. Uh, we saw this in Iraq. We see this all over the this all over the world, but particularly this part of the world because of the um, religious uh, the depth of the religious feeling. You know, parts of the Afghan military would have been mm-hmm. m- most of the Afghan military would have been Muslims. Yes. Uh, yes. And if you know, if there are you know, you're in this situation where you have Islamic freedom fighters slash terrorists fighting the government and you're a a fundamentalist Muslim and you're in the military, you're being told to fight your Muslim brothers, a.k.a. the Muslim Brotherhood, as a lot of the Mujahideen were actually at the time. They even called themselves the Muslim Brotherhood. Like, hey, you're fighting your brothers, man. (laughs) It's pretty obvious. Can we act it out? Could we? Sure. Okay. Because yeah. I'll, I'll start. So we're two guards and we're standing there. Um, hey, hey, Abdul, how, how's the family? How's the goat? How, how are you doing? Good, 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 Muhammad. Good, good. good. Uh, Thanks for asking. I have a question. I have a question. Mm. Um, shoot, shoot, shoot. So our government is pro-Soviet. We're fighting against tribesmen and herdsmen who just want their way of life to go on the way it's been going on for hundreds of years. Um, does that make us 
the baddies? Well, listen, it's complicated, uh, it? Muhammad. It's complicated. I don't think so. Well, see, okay. on one hand, you right. know, the Ayatollah, the Ayatollah Khomeini, um, you know, mm-hmm. his his who's uh, Shia leader, right. has just been telling us that the Soviets are bad guys, right? Because <laughs> right. they yeah. are uh, atheists, and That's bad. well, yes. <laughs> Uh, atheism, bad. Yes, you're right. <laughs> so we, I got a red we, atheism, we, bad. We, Go ahead. We don't like them because they're bad. Uh, we don't like atheists because yeah. they're bad. On, on the flip side, the Americans, right, are Christians, oh, also bad. Right? That's bad. Yeah, yeah. But not yeah. as bad because at least we worship the same God and we recognize lesser bad. We recognize Jesus okay. as a prophet. Right. In fact, Jesus is mentioned more times in the Quran than even Muhammad. Mm-hmm. He's mentioned more oh. times that the, the most common word in the Quran is Jesus. So, we, you know, I, we, 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 we like Jesus. Yeah, good guy uh, Jesus. We like Muhammad better. But, oh, you know. Love, love could, Muhammad. Well, Muhammad came 700 years later, right? So he's yeah. he's, he's, he's yeah. the modern uh, right. Jesus. Right, right. Um, Just different. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but the problem is is that uh, yeah we're mostly Sunni, uh, right. we're not really uh, Shia. Uh, yeah. we, we have a lot of Shia in Afghanistan, but most Pashtuns, sure. Tajiks, Uzbeks are Sunni. So yeah. you know we 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 like the the the, the what we like what the Ayatollah Khomeini is saying. We what? agree. But we don't like him because he's Shia and we're Sunni. So, right. it, but still, look, but okay, then, see, right? There's more. We we well, we need we need progress. We need to. That's we need, true. We need to advance our country. We can't stay stuck in right as being goat herders for forever, right? right? Because you know we're, we're always in the middle right. of the British yeah. are invading, the Russians are invading, Pakistan right. fighting us. Um, we 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 need progress, but. You know, progress means education, and that means educating the girls. And eh, we're not supposed to do. I don't Reading. know. It's, yeah, it's it's, it's well. The the reason I brought it up was because this started out. You know, I love the uniform. I think I look smashing in this uniform. It started out as a paycheck, and now that there's gosh darn real and earnest fighting, I don't know if I'm on the right side, and my friend, I don't know if you are on the right. Well, they're side. probably we telling might, you to kill yeah. me, and and my Which, my mullah's telling me to kill you. Because oh, you're is, working for uh, the enemy, so like I know we like share this houses. And right. I know we've got, yeah. you know, we've we've got. We don't drink we alcohol because goat. we're observant, but we right. well, right. we DP right. the goat. Yeah, we we did DP that goat, but don't can't really remember what the Quran says about DPing goats. But <laughs> we didn't ask. Right, right. So dicey. It's, it's a dicey it's, situation. It's complicated. That's all I can say. It's complicated. <laughs> And scene. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Where were in we? March of 1979, there was a major <laughs> uprising by the garrison in a place called Herat, led by Major Ismail Khan and Major Ludin Khan. Right. Probably with some assistance from Iran, people say. Um, but again, that's dubious. You can blame anything on Iran these days. But uh, Shia and mm-hmm. Shia and Sunni getting—I uh, mean, who knows? It's possible. Yeah, yeah. But who knows? Anyway, in that uprising, some Soviet advisors in Herat were killed, as well as many of their families and some civilians from the Eastern Bloc who were there. The uprising right. was put down, but uh, you know the Soviets are obviously not very happy about that. Um, so the exactly. Americans are unhappy about their ambassador being killed. Yeah. Soviet advisors are getting killed. Everyone's getting killed. The place is going to shit. <laughs> well, see, but, but that's the thing about the war. I mean, wars always get out of hand. You you can't plan. You can't predict. You can't manage. That's I mean that's just the nature of warfare. And yeah, no no one's going to come out happy with this thing. And that's one of the reasons, as we're going to see, the Russians are like, yeah, I don't know if I want to stick my toe in that. It's just a quagmire. Um, But that's for later. 
But the key point I want to make with this, because I yeah. in reading like 20-odd books on this in the last couple of mm-hmm. weeks and um, you know a bunch of online articles in military things and history things, what right. you know, there's um, two extremist views that it's important to avoid and walk a line between. One is mm-hmm. uh uh, this whole situation was caused by the Americans uh, funding the Mujahideen, uh, you know, and that's not entirely correct. There were right. a whole bunch of domestically generated issues that oh, go back a long way. Grassroots. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the other extreme view that I read is, well, it had nothing to do with America funding the Mujahideen. This was all, and it had nothing to do with rebels. You know, Donald Trump, when he was president, mm-hmm mentioned uh, that um, the Soviets invaded because they were trying to stop terrorism. And he got mm. shot down by a lot of, right. you know, lefty media saying that's not true, that's uh, blah, yeah. blah, blah. A lot of right-wing commentators also now are shutting him down because of that. That's not right. – saying that's not true. It's hard. Well, we want to defend Donald Trump, but at the same time – yeah, we we don't want it to, to look sound stupid. like America right. uh, funded all the terrorists, and that people right. will say on the other side they say, well, it wasn't terrorism; it was, uh, you know, a military uprising. But my point mm-hmm. is, it's hard to separate the two because, as I said, a lot of the military were Islamic fundamentalists. That was just yes. the nature of the country. So when you have these sorts of civil wars, you know, you have those sorts of tensions. We just did now very excellent. Uh, right. unscripted uh, uh, play there that we will be taking on the oh, road. Uh, so you'll be able to see that live as soon as COVID's to, over. To all the cigar shops all over the world. That's the only place we'll pre- perform. That's the only place. Yeah. Oh, by the way, just to let people know, um, now that Australia's borders are opening up, uh, in Queensland mm-hmm. we're allowed to leave December 17th, it's been declared. Nice. Uh, we will be coming to the United States probably around about that's the a, middle of next year. That's a threat. Um, we'll be mostly in Arizona, but we're going to get around a bit. We're going to probably stay for four to six weeks, I think, at this stage. We'll probably do it. But, but, you know, depending on what happens over there with COVID, I guess. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, do some, we'll do some events. Well, you better because yeah. I'm going to do some events somewhere over there. You might have to travel <laughs> if you want to come to us, but we'll be there somewhere. Yes. Anyway, we'll with all this it. going on, yes. tensions yes. started to build within the PDPA. Um, yeah. Initially, between the two major factions of the PDPA, think mm-hmm. when you think of the PDPA, think of the original factions, the Bolsheviks and the Mensheviks in right. the Communist Party in uh, Russia in mm-hmm. 1920, 21, etc. Yeah. Same sort of thing. The, the two factions here are called the Kalk. And the Parkam, Calc uh, uh-huh. means the masses, Parkam means banner. Uh, we won't go into the differences, but the general secretary of the PDPA, Taraki, and his deputy, Armin, were both in the Kalk faction. And mm-hmm. the head of the Parkam faction was a guy called Kamal. So right. the also the Calcs were mostly Pashtuns. Uh, who were more sort of rural people. Right. And mm-hmm. the Parkam were more urbanites, non-Pashtun, yes. bit of Pashtun, mostly non-Pashtun, but mostly urban. Yeah. So country country mouse and city mouse, right. basically. Which goes throughout uh, history, repeats itself. Yeah. Yes. And in this case, uh, the Calcs, the, uh, the, the rural party uh, basically kicks out the um, the the Parkham faction and uh, Kamal Baba Kamal the leader has to go into exile. Yeah, he figures he's going to be arrested, possibly executed. Gets the fuck mm-hmm. out of Dodge. Smart. Then there are power struggles between Taraki and Armin. Mm-hmm. On September second, nineteen seventy nine. Uh, Taraki visited Moscow on his way to a non-aligned conference in Havana uh, for meetings oh, yeah. with Brezhnev. Did right. you want to get some talk cigars. now? You wanted to say something about September earlier. Oh, I, I don't have anything. Uh, oh, here, let me try this. I apologize. So yeah, so I hope he had a great time in uh, Cuba. I can't imagine that he didn't. Comes back by Moscow, and what it is is 
A couple of months before, in December of 1978, Afghan had signed a treaty with the USSR. It was heavily dependent on uh, Soviet Russia. And the treaty basically says that Af- uh, Afghan Republic can call on Soviet Russian, uh, Soviet Russia for military support. So as he's making his way back home, uh, he does stop in Moscow and he is basically saying, I need your help. This is, this is getting out of hand and we need, we need a lot more than what we have. And so he's literally inviting, begging the Soviets to come into it. Um, but, uh, uh, Taraki is not much longer for this world because like you said, it's a very, uh, fluid situation in Afghanistan, in Kabul. And so these leaders are taking each other out because there's, there's fighting for the cause. There's fighting for the betterment of your country, but we've seen this a billion times before. There's also the fighting for just trying to have all the power for yourself and damn everyone else. And so I don't want to jump too far ahead, but in September of 1979, uh, Taraki is arrested. He is killed. Um, um, Amin sees his chance. He goes after him. And then that's one thing I think the Soviets could probably tolerate that to a degree. But then Amin, who was now the uh, the prime minister, he starts wiping out all of the people that were opposed to him. It doesn't matter if they're communist or not communist. Anybody that's not loyal to him is suddenly disappearing off of the streets. And Moscow does not like that because they're putting people in, they're paying people off, they've got people inside giving them information. And now some of their people are starting to disappear because Amin is wiping everyone out who he doesn't think is absolutely loyal to him. So again, it's getting even uglier for everybody involved. A little bit more. Let me give a little bit more perspective and context on your Reader's Digest version of the story there. Uh, Ray's Digest, as we call it. Oh, I like Uh, that. Yeah. Adolf Ray. Yeah. Um, Taraki may have heard through the grapevine that Armin was plotting to kill him. Mm. So, and, and this is again one of the things that happens in these sorts of situations where you know these two guys both think the other guy's trying to kill him, and it's like who strikes right. first, you know? So, yeah. yeah. So it's it's possible that when he was in Moscow meeting with Brezhnev, apart from asking for tanks and planes and guns to stave off the insurgency. Mm-hmm. Which Brez, Brezhnev refused, said no. We're not. We're not getting involved. It's too early for us to get involved at this stage. Right. Uh, it would look bad if we started getting involved yeah. in this kind of stuff. He's worried about you know how it looks internationally. Optics. Uh, they may have. It seems agreed to a preemptive attack on Armin. Oh. And in return, Taraki agreed to broaden his uh, government with non-Calc and non-communist forces. So the Russians are actually trying to make him be pragmatic. Look, if you yes. just uh, you know open up your party a little bit, invite some of yeah. the other sides in so they feel like they have a voice – um, you know, ironic it's, coming from yeah. Bolsheviks, I know. <laughs> right. But right. the flip side yeah. is, you know, they learn from experience. This is the late 70s. The They've way. been doing yes. this for 50 years. They're it's nearly massive. 60 years. They, yeah. They've learned a thing or two about uh, yeah. uh, this. Not that, you know, the Soviet Union was doing great at the time, but, right. uh, you know, they'd learned a little bit about diplomacy. In that time. And yeah. Brezhnev isn't Stalin. Right. And I thought it was interesting that Brezhnev said to uh, to uh, Taraki as well, look, slow, like not only, you know, make it a wider tent, bring more people in, but slow down on the social reforms. Like we were saying at the, on the uh, last episode, everything you're doing is a big shock to your people because of their religion, because of their conservatism. You've got to gradually do this. You know, you've got to turn up the water gradually and, and boil them slowly, but in a good way. But the point is you're doing all of this and you just got to slow everything down. So I think Brezhnev was right to say no he's giving good advice uh not that the afghans are good at taking it for a while and so there is uh an assassination plot to kill armin the deputy mm. mm-hmm. uh, led by a guy called azadullah sawari but it gets uncovered and armin gets uh, more paranoid 
Sawari oh. was the head of the Afghan security service, the AGSA at the time, had been a supporter of Amin. Uh, Amin found out about it, etc. you know, became very, very um, paranoid himself. Right. So then on the 14th of September 1979, Taraki returned from the non-aligned movement meeting in Cuba, tried to get Amin to resign. Amin said, no, you don't resign. I don't resign. You resign. <laughs> Called him an alcoholic. Um, That's a big deal, now, right? Amin, by the way, and this may be irrelevant or it may be very relevant, got right. a PhD from Columbia University. Oh, my God. What's it in? Uh, I think it was journalism or something oh, like I that. You I think he was. Tell me chemistry. Oh no, he was. He was, he was a lecturer. Mastery. Now he was a lecturer okay. of something. He was a university lecturer before he took over the government. Right. Um, it was uh, Taraki who was a journalist. Uh, Amin was a lecturer. Yeah. Um, and he apparently became a Marxist while living in the United States. Uh, but wow, you know. Okay, so we just did these two episodes with Michael Holtzman talking about how right. when the KGB recruited um, Guy Burgess, mm-hmm. they got him to pretend that he was, well, first of all, uh, a fascist and right. then a capitalist. Um, yeah. No, it's not Guy Burgess we're talking about. It's the other guy, right? Um, Philby. Uh, Philby. Philby would be yeah. talking about, yeah. They got him to pretend yeah. he was- uh, uh, The you know, opposite of what he was. Yeah, yeah. Long, long-term plan to infiltrate. Right. So there has been the suggestion that when Armin was at university in mm-hmm. the United States, and we know the CIA did recruit foreign students- Still right. today uh, are doing that, but they've done that yeah. forever. The same way the KGB tried to get people while they were university students, the CIA did that as well. There is mm-hmm. the suggestion, no evidence to back it up that I'm aware of, but there is the suggestion that Amin might have been recruited by the CIA and was pretending to be a Marxist oh. uh, all of this time. Right, and he game. was actually a CIA operative. Anyway, right. um he refused to resign, said Taraki should resign. A few days later, Taraki says, listen, let's put all this behind us. I'm going to hold a lunch in your honour. Come to the palace. <laughs> bygones be bygones. Right. What are we doing? We're all friends. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. We built this it's city. Crazy. We built this city <laughs> this a rock and roll. We built this city. Woo. Knee deep in the hoopla. <laughs> Greatest line ever in rock and roll. <laughs> now, so they're going to break bread. Right. Yes. yes. Well, but unfortunately, Armin was a big fan of our shows. He right. knew his history. He knows you never <laughs> attend a lunch held in your honour, a banquet held in right. your honour. Yeah. He did. He refused to go, but the Soviet ambassador Putsinov... Right. Apparently convinced him that he should oh. go. Yeah. Bridge building. Mm-hmm. Let's get let's get along. Mm. Okay. All of right. course, the suggestion being that the Soviet ambassador knew what the plan was because they'd already agreed to the plan. Oh shit. So Amin makes a visit to the palace along with his security detail, uh, led by the chief of police, Dayud Tarun. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he gets to the palace, Taraki's bodyguards open fire. Oh, uh, his bodyguards are killed, but Amin survives and escapes in his car, gets back to the Ministry of Defence, puts the army mm-hmm. on high alert, orders the detainment of Taraki, telephones Putsunov and tells him what happened. Putsunov is like, oh, my God, I never saw that coming. I'm so shocked. <laughs> Colour me shocked. Taraki is arrested. Uh, Amin then supposedly calls Brezhnev and says, uh, I've got Taraki under arrest. What should I do with him? Brezhnev said, it's your choice. Oh. My name is Paul and this is between y'all is what he said. I wash my hands. Yeah. uh, Amin, understandably, believing that he had the full support of the Soviets, ordered the death of Taraki. Um, mm. Now, 
Taraki was executed on the 8th of October 1979 when, according to most accounts, right. he was told to lie down on a bed and pre- be prepared to be suffocated. I love and it when he they tell me. did. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, he did lie down and he was suffocated. He was suffocated with pillows by three men, didn't fight, didn't put up any sort of argument, was like, eh, fair enough, good way eh. to go. <laughs> could, could have been worse, I've, right? Could have been worse. <laughs> good enough for, ta- good enough for uh, Tiberius, good enough for me. All right, so, yeah, I'll t- make it a nice pillow. Uh, yeah. Uh, purple one, but yeah, so he's gone. And like, Tiberius, can I have some, uh, you know, young boys nibbling at my penis while I go? No? Too much? Yeah. My so last, last request. Yeah. Last request. Yeah. What about the woman with the uh, dildo machine? Oh, uh, oh the clip you know tickling what? machine. If, Can you give me one of those? If you, if you, no, actually, no. You would think I'd want that, but no. If you want me to hold still, do not bring that in the room because <laughs> I, I'll flinch, and that's not going to help you and what you're trying to do. So please don't. So a man's now, in Brezhnev, charge now. Yeah, Brezh- yeah, yeah. Yes, but Brezhnev was shocked that they executed Taraki <laughs> when he said, "It's up to you." I. T- <laughs> Like when you say to me, right? Uh, my daughters are downstairs. What shall I do with them for the day? I go. It's up to you. I don't expect you to rape and murder them. I expect you to. I, I'm thinking the choices are: take them right. out for you know, go on a go on a hike, uh, right? Go take them out to lunch, maybe a movie, help them um, with their homework, or maybe yeah. just put them in front yeah. of uh, an iPad and Minecraft and say, "Go at it." I don't give a shit. Right. Yeah. Uh, I don't expect not, you to rape and murder them. That's not one no. of the options that I consider. You, well, legally speaking, you didn't say don't kill him. So who? Who? who, who? You. Yeah. That's who. Yeah, yeah. So the finger's yeah. pointing at you. Yeah. So. yeah that's what Armin said. <laughs> I'm sorry to George Costanza. I'm sorry. Was that wrong? Because I have to tell you. <laughs> if I had known that was wrong, no I never would have the done premises. it. Yeah, yeah. You said it was up to me. I thought you everybody did that. Yeah. So Armin Power has up. the Americans against him. He now has the Soviets against him. Shit. He's dealing with uh, Mujahideen terrorist incursions across the border, being trained and funded by the Pakistan, a.k.a. the United States. He yes. has... He has military uprisings uh, in his own country. His own people are turning against him. Defecting, yep. yep. Yeah. The place is um, a complete clusterfuck. Shit show, and, right? And at this, by this time, more than 200,000 Mujahideen had gone into Pakistan. Like, this is oh. a sizable army. And they're being right. openly trained by President Zia of Pakistan. Again, <laughs> right. quote, unquote. He doesn't have to know, hide America's it. puppet president. Well, supported, not puppet, supported by the Americans. Oh, my God. Amin uh, kept trying to uh, get a summit with President Zia of Pakistan, uh, who finally Mm -hmm. agreed in December, but that was too late. Um, In Kabul, there are assassinations uh, of the PDPA leadership uh, happening. They're getting thinned out. There are more army mutinies in October. And meanwhile, the United States has started pouring money into the Mujahideen. Now, as I said at the beginning of the last episode, the the traditional version of the story that we've heard for the last 25 years, by the Mm -hmm. way, before that, the version of the story from the 70s through to the late 90s was... Us? No, we had nothing to do with this from the Americans, right? What are you talking about? Me? Us? Me? Sorry, no. did you see us? Did, did we ever say that we were doing that? If we didn't say it, then yeah. we probably didn't do it because we would tell you. Yeah, like, we're the CIA. We, we, we're yeah. honest. We'd write a book. Uh, we, yeah, we're, what, why would we would lie? We, no. And then, you know, <laughs> when Charlie Wilson's War came out, et cetera, in the late 90s, they went, oh, that, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. We, yeah. we did do oh. that, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I by thought the way, you said Afghanistan, not Stan. No, that was us. That that was us. Yeah. By the way, what a great job we did funding the Mujahideen. Uh, yeah. What are they called now? Um, Al Qaeda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Funding Al Qaeda. Yeah, we did that. That was great. We well, we taught them. It, we trained them. We funded right. them. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. And who's that guy? Like a star student uh, came along a little bit later in the eighties. What was his name? Uh, Adolf. Adolf. No, that was our that was our ambassador. Uh, Osama. Osama. We used to call him Ozzy. Ozzy. You saw him going. Call him Ozzy. Oh, he was the best, Ozzy. God. Now, just to make it a little, and I, I'm not going to jump ahead. This is just some little context, yeah, you but you'll you'll jump ahead uh, and you'll do a raised digest I, version. I'll have to come and clean I up your shit. But go ahead, do it. Like, to, uh, oh, unless you feel well, important. If if you say so, not unlike a men. If if you say so, so so at this time there there is reasons. There are reasons for President Carter to not exactly be happy with uh, with Pakistan. Yes, we're we're sending them money, and they're they're passing it out or maybe we're sending weapons and they're passing it out and now we've got CIA agents actively over there talking face to face but one we find out that Pakistan is working on their nuclear bomb they did not ask us first could they do that and the former leader uh, Bhutto was not he didn't just step down from office he was actually executed earlier in the year in, in 1979 so Carter is a little miffed with Pakistan, but they're in the perfect position. The, we're already using them. And so he knows that, yeah, I've, I've got to work with, I, my CIA has got to work with these guys. I'm like crazy about it, but it's it, it's messy, but we can still make this work. But he, but he does have reasons to go fucking international politics can kiss my ass. I'm sure that's what all presidents think by the time they walk out of office. Yeah, I've got an idea. Stay the fuck out of it. It's called international for a reason. Huh. I never... That, you know, I got to be honest, never occurred to me. Yeah. Egg on my face. You know, this Go thing ahead. in New York called the United Nations, that's where you deal with right? it. Apart from that, stay the fuck out. Oh. Anyway. Um, Interesting. So, uh, you know, I'm sure certain people will think the whole idea of the US supporting the Mujahideen earlier than previously stated is a crazy conspiracy theory. And they, uh-huh. they could be right. Um, you know, the, the people spreading this conspiracy theory, uh, you know, right. people like um, former CIA director Robert Gates, uh, <laughs> well, he, he was the first guy to reveal this publicly. Right. In 1996, uh, he, his book From the Shadows, uh, in which mm. he says, Carter began numerous covert actions to counter Soviet advances well before the invasion of Afghanistan he improved intelligence Ooh. findings aimed at countering the Soviets in Afghanistan. Right. Um, a couple of years later, in 1998, uh, Zbigniew Brzezinski, who was a security advisor to Carter, mm-hmm. was in Paris being interviewed by Le Nouvel Observateur. And um, I've got the full transcript of this because I dug it up. Um, question was... The former director of the CIA, Robert Gates, stated in his memoirs that the American intelligence services began to aid the Mujahideen in Afghanistan six months before the Soviet intervention. Is this right. period, oh, in this period, you were the national security advisor to President Carter. You therefore played a key role in this affair. Is that correct? Brzezinski replied, mm-hmm. yes. According to the official version of history, CIA aid to the Mujahideen began during 1980. That is to say, after the Soviet army invaded Afghanistan on December 24th, 1979. But the reality, Mm -hmm. closely guarded until now, is completely otherwise. Indeed, it was July 3rd, 1979, that President Carter signed the first directive for secret aid to the opponents of the pro-Soviet regime in Kabul. And that very day, I wrote a note to the president in which I explained to him that, in my opinion, this aid was going to induce a Soviet military intervention. Right. Ah, it's right there in the writing. Yeah. The the, the, uh, journalist goes on. Despite this risk, you were an advocate of this covert action, but perhaps you yourself desired the Soviet entry into the war and looked for a way to provoke it. Brzezinski, wasn't quite like that. We didn't push the Russians to intervene, but we knowingly increased the probability that they would. Journalist, when the Soviets justified their intervention by asserting that they intended to fight against secret US involvement in Afghanistan, nobody believed them. However, there was an element of truth in this. You don't regret any of this today? Brzezinski, regret what? 
that secret operation was an excellent idea. It had the effect of drawing the Russians into the Afghan trap, and you want me to regret it? The day that the Soviets officially crossed the border, I wrote to President Carter, essentially, we now have the opportunity of giving the USSR its Vietnam War. Indeed, for almost 10 years, Moscow had to carry on a war that was unsustainable for the regime, a conflict that brought about the demoralization and finally the breakup of the Soviet empire. Journalist. And neither do you regret having supported Islamic fundamentalism, which has given arms and advice to future terrorists? Brzezinski. What's more important in world history, the Taliban or the collapse of the Soviet Empire? Some agitated Muslims or the liberation of Central (laughs) Europe and the end of the Cold War? Journalists, some agitated Muslims, but it has been said and repeated, Islamic fundamentalism represents a world menace today. Brzezinski, nonsense. It is said that the West has a global policy in regard to Islam. That's stupid. This isn't a global Islam. Look at Islam in a rational manner without demagoguery or emotionalism. It is the leading religion of the world with one and a half billion followers. Christianity's got 2.2, but okay. But what Mm -hmm. is there in common among fundamentalist Saudi Arabia, moderate Morocco, militarist Pakistan, pro-Western Egypt or secularist Central Asia? Nothing more than what unites the Christian countries. Mm. So there you have it. Robert Gates, CIA director and uh, National Security Advisor Brzezinski saying, yeah, No, no, we did it. We deliberately tried to get them involved. And when they got involved, we tried to make it, keep them involved and make it as long and murderous as possible. I've got a clip. Before you go on, I've got a clip of a documentary narrated by Mm -hmm. Kenneth Branagh, uh, which has footage of Brzezinski in Afghanistan meeting with the, I know it's in Pakistan, actually, meeting with the Mujahideen. Let me play a Mm -hmm. clip from it. Right. U.S. National Security Advisor Brzezinski flew to Pakistan to set about rallying resistance. He wanted to arm the Mujahideen without revealing America's role. On the Afghan border near the Khyber Pass, he urged the soldiers of God to redouble their efforts. We know of their deep belief in God, and we are confident that their struggle will succeed. You know, that land over there is yours. You'll go back to it one day because your fight will prevail and you'll have your homes and your mosques back again because your cause is right and God is on your side. The purpose of coordinating with the Pakistanis will be to make the Soviets bleed for as much as long as is possible. That was Brzezinski at the end there too. Damn. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, it, yeah. it, uh, hold on. Here's what he had to say in 1997 mm-hmm. um, about the falling of Afghanistan. Um, a journalist asks, uh, what were the administration's arms control objectives when they came into office? Uh, Brzezinski says it was um, actually let me skip that he says that the interviewer says the downfall of the Shah and the Iranian hostage crisis how much did they influence Americans reaction to Soviet policy in Afghanistan Jabinski I think the crisis in Iran heightened our sense of vulnerability insofar as that part of the world is concerned after all Iran was one of the two pillars on which both stability and our political preeminence in the Persian Gulf rested Once the Mm -hmm. Iranian pillar had collapsed, we were faced with the possibility that one way or another, before too long, we may have either a hostile Iran on the northern shore of the Persian Gulf facing us, or we might even have the Soviets there. And that possibility arose very sharply when the Soviets marched into Afghanistan. If they succeeded in occupying it, Iran would be even more vulnerable to the Soviet Union. And in any case, the Persian Gulf would be accessible even to Soviet tactical air force from bases in Afghanistan. Therefore, the Soviet intervention in Afghanistan was viewed by us as of serious strategic consequence, irrespective of whatever may have been the Soviet motives for it. Our view was the objective consequences would be very serious, irrespective of what may or may not have been the subjective motives for the Soviet action. 
Interviewer, before the actual invasion, how much do you think the exit of the Shah affected Soviet plans for that area of the world? Zabinsky. The collapse, Brzezinski, the collapse of the American position in Iran had to have a rather strikingly reinforcing impact on Soviet expectations. This was a major setback for the United States. There's no doubt that from the standpoint of the Soviet analysis of the situation, the collapse of the regime in Iran meant that the position of the United States north of the Persian Gulf was disintegrating. Wow. Um, going back to the first thing that you played, if I could have him here now, and I would just say, let me just show you some video of 9-11, and you tell me if it was worth it. He'd probably say yes, um, because, you, you know, no one wants to look like a fool or an idiot or whatever, and you defend your actions, but... That's a hell of a trade. Uh, to, and like you said, 20 years of war of America rampaging all over the world and changing our laws and spying on our own people. So that's a heck of a trade to win the Cold War. Yeah, I should look up uh, Brzezinski quotes after 9-11. I wonder if he got interviewed about it. I'm sure he probably did. He only died not that long ago, I think. Oh, really? And, uh, you know, let me see. Died... Uh, 2017. Wow. He got to see Trump in office. Yeah. <laughs> Lucky. Well, he probably went, ah, oh, shit, I'm glad him. I'm dying. Yeah. 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 Uh, his son, Mark, younger son, was the United States ambassador to Sweden from 2011 to 2015. His eldest son, Ian, is a foreign policy expert. Uh, his daughter is Mika Brzezinski, um, the host right. of Morning Joe. Uh, isn't oh. she's married? She's married to the other yeah. guy on. Yeah, isn't it? I didn't know Joe that. Scarborough. I sh- yeah, yeah, well, I should have put that together. Her name is Brzezinski. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I don't. I don't like him very much. I don't watch him. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, okay. We're, we're, so, we're, we're, meanwhile, so yes, uh, yes. While the U.S. is uh, funding the Mujahideen, wrapping it up. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, no more about that. So going back early on the 30th of March, 1979, there was a meeting of the Special Coordination Committee of the United States National Security Council. Right. At which Under Secretary of Defense, a guy called Walter B. Slocum. Good name. Asked if there was value in keeping the Afghan insurgency going, sucking the Soviets into a Vietnamese quagmire. When asked to clarify this remark, Slocum explained, well, the whole idea was that if the Soviets decided to strike at this tar baby, being Afghanistan, Mm. we had every interest in making sure that they got stuck. A little bit of racist uh, visual terminology there from Br'er Rabbit, Br'er Fox, bringing that in, so good. You know, well, I want everybody. I like to use analogies or whatever. So yeah, so good for him. Yeah, let's get yeah. him in there. Let's get him stuck. Good. Anything we can do to help. There was a fifth of April memo, nineteen seventy nine, from National Intelligence Officer Arnold Horlick, <laughs> where he warned covert action would raise the costs to the Soviets and inflame Muslim opinion against them in many countries. The risk was that a substantial U.S. covert aid program could raise the stakes and induce the Soviets to intervene more directly and vigorously than otherwise intended. Uh. But they all seem to think it was a good idea. So in May of 1979, mm-hmm. US officials started secretly meeting with the Mujahideen leaders uh, through Pakistani government contacts. Right. Former Pakistani military official claimed that he personally introduced a CIA official to Hekmatya, the Mujahideen leader, uh, who, as I said earlier, has now twice been prime minister of Afghanistan in the 90s. Uh, in this month of May 1979, free, the journalists have been uh, trying to use the Freedom of Information Act to get mm-hmm. the records of that meeting, and they've been denied which is yeah. as good as uh, confirming that it actually happened. <laughs> yeah. Uh, additional. It, yeah. I, I, sorry, go ahead. And then I'll say something about Carter. Go ahead. Additional meetings between U.S. Uh, CIA officials and Mujahideen leaders happened on the 6th of April and the 3rd of July, apparently. Mm. And on the same day as the 3rd of July meeting, it's the one that Brzezinski said, that's when Carter signed a presidential finding. Right. 
that authorized the CIA to spend just over $500,000 on non-lethal <clears throat> aid to the Mujahideen, which meant basically uh-huh. medical aid, money, and propaganda. Now, what do we right. know about CIA funding, Ray? Um, I could do whatever the fuck I want. Uh, we can get we can get a lot more than five hundred thousand dollars. Come on, did I ever tell you about the the amounts I spent in Italy? Oh, you're gonna love this story. Anyway. Yeah, so we know that there's the official amount of money that the CIA is getting, <laughs> and then there's the unofficial amount the slightly, of money yeah, the CIA you don't is getting. Know where now, it comes from, but it's I'll a be, lot. Yeah, you know. Complete transparency. I don't have any evidence to suggest that the CIA had buckets of money outside of that that they were spending at that juncture. Right. But what we know, what we do know from other stories from the mm-hmm. decades prior to that is the standard CIA procedure was to have off book money, black money, right. dark money yeah. that no one knew about. Not even presidents, usually, or senators or congressmen. They also had, and I was going to bring this in, but I ran out of time. They also had a lot of drug money. Now, um, one thing that we know about the CIA's involvement during the Vietnam War in Laos and Cambodia is that they got a lot of money from drugs, They were Mm -hmm. allowing the drug operations to happen in return for dark money that they could then use for operations and activities and bribery. Um, What then became the world's largest opium producer? Which country? Afghanistan. Afghanistan, yes. Coincidence, Uh, no coincidence. Until the Taliban came along and shut it down and then when the US got involved again and got rid of the Taliban... 20 years ago, all yeah. the opium farms came back. <laughs> so anyway, I, I don't know, but we do know that this yeah. is, st- you know, we do know for a fact, not conspiracy theory, we do know for a fact right. that dark money has been a, a long tradition with the CIA for exactly yes. this reason, plausible deniability. Now, of they course, were. you had the Church Commission in the mid-70s and they were like, mm-hmm. what? Oh, the CIA has been assassinating world leaders. Oh, my God, we didn't know. Oh, hell. <laughs> Um, after there was, you know, leaks that came out and books that were written. And oh, they right. cleaned up the CIA. But we know that that didn't happen. I mean, we know right. that the CIA has been just running around doing the same old shit, uh, yeah. destabilizing governments, having people assassinated. You know, they often are very clever and they do it through fronts. Oh, it wasn't us. It was Pakistan's ISI. It wasn't us. It was SAVAK. It wasn't us. It was uh, the Israelis. It was et cetera, et cetera. All of our allies. It was the Saudis that uh, killed Khashoggi. It wasn't us. Right, right, right. It was the Saudis that killed Khashoggi. We we had nothing to do with it. Shocked. I am shocked. I'm saddened. Yeah. yeah, what are we? You, we're gonna, we're yeah. gonna, we're gonna, we're really gonna show the Saudis by selling them another billion dollars worth of weapons. That'll, right. that'll teach them, and we'll keep buying their oil. That'll really right. show them you can't assassinate and, a U.S. citizen yeah. on 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 our watch. Yeah, and the receipt says when we sell you the two billion dollars of the state of the art uh, weaponry, you're not allowed to use it against us. So mm. as long as you're good with that, mm. uh, we'll sell you. Well, all they you didn't. Want. They bought their they bought their hacksaws from right. a different shop. From, you know that yeah. makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> Jeez, yeah. So non-lethal aid, but we know they're getting missiles that we'll go into later. Yeah. So there are at least two more assassination attempts on a min that took place in December. In one, he was apparently wounded. The Soviets also apparently tried to sedate and kidnap him via his cook. Wow. In order to get him to either resign or join a coalition with Baba Kamal, the um, the uh, other guy, other Parkamite urban uh, PDPA leader. Yeah, yeah. Now... It's important to understand that they had no intention of losing Afghanistan. Um, You know, according to the Brezhnev Doctrine, Mm -hmm. which had been formulated a decade before when they invaded Czechoslovakia, every communist country had a right to intervene whenever socialism was under siege. Not just a right, but a responsibility. Um, I have to. No different to the Truman Doctrine or the... 
Bush doctrine or the Trump right. doctrine or whatever fucking doctrine Manifest you want to get from the United States. Whatever. Just their version yeah. of that. If our interests yeah. are being threatened, we reserve the right to intervene. But, of course, the their yeah. fear, we talked before, you know, Brzezinski was talking about the United States' fear of what would happen if the Soviets took control of Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, the Soviets were even more concerned about what would happen if the Americans and or the fundamentalist Muslims took control of Afghanistan because, A, it's on their border. Right. They've already got fucking Iran on their border. <laughs> They've already got yeah. fucking Pakistan on their border. Now yeah. they've, they're going to have more Muslims in Afghanistan, uh, you know, on their border. And, you know, there's 50 million Muslims in the Soviet Union at the yeah, time, the particularly region. in all yeah. of those countries, the, all the Stan right. countries that right. Bar Barry and Stan worked for. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> they were even more worried about Slippery what would slope. happen. You know, if terrorists take over this country, yeah. A country on your border. Imagine terrorists taking over Canada and Mexico. Muslim Islamic right. fundamentalist groups taking over Canada and Mexico and Puerto Rico uh, right. and Cuba. Yeah, the US. Uh, you're gonna, yeah. you're gonna yeah. get a little bit worried. We're going to do something. We don't want to do something, but Moscow, as each day goes by, Moscow's like, we don't want to get involved. There's no way it would be good, but, oh, my God, it is so falling apart in Afghanistan. Now, prior to the killing of Ambassador Adolf H. Dubbs in mm -hmm. February, Amin, who was the foreign minister at the time, uh, had mm -hmm. uh, really been building a relationship with him. They would meet twice a month. Hmm. Which, oh, of course, uh, the Soviets weren't happy about. KGB New. boss Yuri Andropov even suspected that Amin was a CIA agent. As I said earlier, he had got his PhD at Columbia. Right. You know, the KGB were the experts at getting kids at university and converting them. And so obviously, rightly or wrongly, they thought the same thing might have been done to Amin. Then mm -hmm. Amin uh, later on started to reach out to Pakistan and the United States via Pakistan. Right. Uh, this was also seen as, you know, possibility that they were going to invite the United States to come in right. and get involved. Because they'd asked, remember, Taraki had asked Brezhnev to send troops in and he had said no initially. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so they, they had been invited in by Taraki and had said, no, too soon, it's not the right time, we don't want to get involved, it's going to look bad. Now they're worried right. that the United States might get involved, either directly or indirectly via Pakistan. They know yeah. that Amin has got a meeting with President Zia of Pakistan coming up in December. And, mm -hmm. you know, so yeah. they're, they're sort of... The longer this goes on, later into the year, the more and more worried they're getting. Yeah. Yeah, and Moscow's still ignoring the request to come in. I'm not sure if it's if it's at this point, you can correct me. Were they at least sending technicians or advisors in, or has that not happened yet um, as far as what the Russians are sending in? Or is it still just thinking about it? No, they had um, the Russian advisors. advisors that were killed in right. Herat earlier in the year. So okay. they've got they've got guys in there. They've probably got some troops on the ground in plainclothes dresses, classified well. as advisors, the same way that right. American does it. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, but they didn't think that the U.S., who had just lost Vietnam, just lost Iran. Would intervene directly if they launched an invasion. They didn't think Carter had the appetite for a war, and they were right. The US didn't get involved directly, right. uh, not openly anyway. But, yeah. you know, as we said earlier, despite all of these concerns and considerations, back in March, they decided against uh, supporting the Afghani government. Uh, Andropov also was arguing during this entire period that Afghanistan wasn't ready for socialism, 
They mm-hmm. weren't advanced enough. You know, we've talked a lot on our Cold War show and maybe on this show. Right. The You know, the view that, um, you it's know. It's a process. You yes. got to progress along. Yeah. You know, Castro tried to stop Che Guevara from going to Bolivia, from going to Congo, mm-hmm. because he said the people aren't ready. They have to have their own revolutionary movement. You can't go yeah. and It's got to come it from ha- within. Yeah. Absolutely. You can't yeah. go and make it happen, even if they've got a small group there that you, you, you think you can support, unless, you know, a sufficient number of the population are educated and have read and have thought about it and are on board. It's, it's, it's not going right. to happen. It's not going to work. Yeah. Andropov was saying the same thing about Afghanistan. He said it could only be imposed by our bayonets and that would not serve the Soviet Union's wider interests. So right. the Soviets are dead against invading unless it's absolutely necessary. It's the very right. last thing that they want to do. Yeah. But you just said a little while ago, by mid-late 1979, the Russians have figured out, you know what, a men... He's not doing a great job. His army, not doing a great job. Tons of defections. The Mujahideen are controlling pretty much everything outside of the major cities. So you're right. If we go in, it would be horrible, but everything is falling apart. Something's got to give. Something's got to change. Then again, in May, uh, Mm -hmm. there was another request from Taraki and Amin for Soviet helicopter crews, paratroopers, and two emergency divisions. The Soviets said no again. In July, Mm. they asked again, and this time they agreed to send a disguised paratrooper battalion and KGB units to protect the Soviet embassy as well as some additional attachments to secure their air base at Bagram. So it was, okay, we'll agree, but for protecting Soviet sites there, basically. Yeah, well, considering what happened to the American embassy in Iran, that actually sounds prudent to me. We, we should go protect our assets there. So not yeah. radical, not extreme, and it makes sense. But then Taraki gets assassinated in September. Amin's trying to reach out to Pakistan and the United States, and the Soviets realize, okay, things are <laughs> progressing too quickly here. The KGB's deputy chief in Kabul, a guy called Morozov, began advocating invasion. On October 29th, the Special Soviet Politburo Committee on Afghanistan endorsed the recommendation. Brezhnev fell into line, and on December 12th, they gave the go-ahead. Of course, Mm -hmm. during this period, uh, in that few months when they were getting ready to invade, uh, back in the United States, the CIA gathered all of its expertise and every element of the highly advanced and well-funded American military intelligence organizations, right. their right. electronic eavesdropping equipment, um, top-notch spy yeah. satellite reconnaissance, A- Agent sixty-nine, uh, yeah, yeah, and right. uh, came to the unanimous conclusion that right. there was no way Moscow would invade Afghanistan uh, ever. <laughs> Despite our best efforts, yeah, despite our best efforts to get them to invade, they're they're never going to do it. Never happen. Never going to happen. Look, just can't. Yeah. Yeah, no. uh, Yeah, I'll bet my soul, I'll bet my child's uh, beating heart, they will not. I mean, yeah, so again, we'll see. An internal report to the Communist Party Central Committee uh, later that month, uh, December this is, which has come out in the last sort of 20 years as these documents have been opened up in the Soviet Union, uh, explained their intervention as support for Babra Kamal and his attempt to save the motherland and the revolution. So, again, he was one of the leaders of the PDPA. He'd been Mm -hmm. kicked out during internal power struggles between the factional power struggles. And he was saying, listen, Get me in there. Mm-hmm. I can save it. Right. Give me your support. I can save the country, save the revolution. I alone can do it. Right. Leader of the Parkham faction. Right. Um, so the Soviet army was told that they were going in as a response to the Afghan government's earlier requests for additional military assistance and also in accordance with the provisions of the Soviet-Afghan Treaty of 1978, which was mm-hmm. true. 
They had right. been requested to come in on multiple Numerous. occasions. Yes. In 1979, yes. they finally agreed to it. Now, Amin was then assassinated by the Spetsnats, the special forces, when he went in. Right. Um, yeah. And Babrak Kamal was installed as the new president. Gotcha. Now, when the Soviets did finally invade, the CIA rubbed their hands together and saw it as a fantastic opportunity. This is where Charlie Wilson comes into the whole story. He was an American right. senator who decided that he was going to take it, make it his mission to get basically unlimited money for the CIA to uh, stop the Soviets and, from ter- and to turn this into the uh, uh, Soviet Union's version of Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Um, the USA obviously didn't do it alone, is they put pressure on their allies in the region, including Pakistan, Saudis, even China secretly got involved, Israel got yes. involved, everyone got involved supporting Turkey. the Mujahideen. Yes. Now, when yeah. you have the Israelis supporting fundamentalist Islam- Islamic <laughs> terrorists. You know, you crossed the line. You know, yeah, it's uh, these are good times. This is going to be good times. Um, the CIA on, operation, by the way, if people want to look this up, the CIA operation now uh, post-invasion is right. known as Operation Cyclone. You can look mm. that up. In right. the end, of course, the United States and the Mujahideen won. Yes. Um, and the rest of Afghanistan lost, the women lost, uh, more than a million dead, somewhere between one to two million dead, depending on the estimates, three million disabled, five million refugees, about half the population. Uh, And obviously the Mujahideen then turned into Al-Qaeda and the Taliban and Mm -hmm. uh, ISIS sort of came out of, you know, what was left of sort of combination of uh, Al-Qaeda and the Iraqi army after the invasion of Iraq in 2003. But here's the thing. We still don't know exactly what the CIA did in Afghanistan in the lead-up to the invasion in 1979. We have those hints from Brzezinski and Robert Gates Right, that they got right. involved earlier, that they were deliberately we're hoping, yes, 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 that they were deliberately trying to draw them in, draw the Soviets yeah. in, and once they came in, they tried to extend the war as long as possible. Now, who extends a war as long as possible? It's uh, yeah, it's a psychopath. <laughs> Move, man, it really is. I should have included this in my book. The other big question, which I think is a legitimate question, is was Armin a CIA asset? Mm -hmm. Now, we probably won't know a lot of this stuff until 50 years have passed. Like this is the 79 79 through to the 80s, late 80s. Mm-hmm. We've probably got another decade or two, I think, before the facts of this will start to be revealed under declassification right. and freedom of, yeah. freedom of information stuff. Um, and, you know, you and I will still be doing our Cold War series then. <laughs> uh, we're probably up to 1970 by then, I think. Uh, 1979, Is maybe it- we might be able to do it. We'll probably right. have to skip ahead a bit, 20 years, to get right. to 1979. Well, I- but yeah. We'll have air tanks next to our desk. <laughs> Eat your veggies, you know, that kind of stuff. So, but yeah, yeah the plan is to yeah. be. I know we didn't have time to go into it, but as you can imagine, the the tactics that the Mujahideen had learned to engage and defeat a superior force, uh, superior as far as uh, technology. I mean, it was all the groundwork was here using mines, using children, how to avoid the planes, the helicopters. I mean, they learned all that stuff during their time with the Soviets. And of course, they passed it on. And like you said, Osama bin Laden was there as well. So they they were ready. Um, for the Americans when the Americans come in 2001. They have seen this before. They had won, I guess, between the British, the Russians, and the Americans. Afghanistan is 3-0. and So 
just don't fuck with these people is all I'm saying. Stay out. All right. Well, that is this. For, this is the first two episodes. We might be back next mm-hmm. month and do um, what happened next. Uh, we'll see. See what the feedback yeah. is. Did you like it? Do you want to hear more? Do you want to know the rest of the story? Is that enough? Uh, let us know. Give us some sexy? feedback. Um, yeah. And shut up. Stop asking me when are you going to do another bullshit filter. We just did a couple of hours. So exactly. Be shut welcome. the fuck up. <laughs> That's Cam's way of saying thank you. Yeah. Bullshit. Bullshit.